How many has found your car to be a place of worship? Everybody say the heart of worship. Specifically, the target today, uh, the, the overall theme, the big theme is the heart of worship, coming to a realization of what worship is, what it involves. But not just that, uh, today we're going to focus on the attitude of worship. Everybody say the attitude of worship. Amen. Now, uh, I'm going to ask you to give me some kickback or kickback, feedback today. And you may kick back. That's fine. I've kicked forward a few times. You can kick back. It's all right. My toes can take it. Amen. Uh, the, the big idea, it, God is always worthy of praise. So what should we do in response to that? We all say, well, we ought to praise, we ought to worship the Lord. Uh, you know, uh, that doesn't come naturally. Man, I just noticed we got birthday balloons up in the ceiling today. I wonder if we're going to wait till those decide to come down or are we going to force them down? That's a good idea. I think if some of us got real excited today in worship, I think we could probably get up there. <laughs> I've been in a few services where they were biting the ceiling. <laughs> Uh, you know, in spite of him being worthy of praise and worship, I think it's very important we understand our response and how we're involved in that. The angels are always worshiping the Lord. They're continually before his throne. Amen. But he desires for us to be involved in that. Uh, let's begin with Psalms 95 and verse 6. Uh, 95 verse 6. If you have your booklet, or I know it's on the screen, let's read it together. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. How many have a Bible today, or you've got a digital device that's got a Bible on it? I want you to turn to Matthew 15. We're going to look at a story that's very, very uh, important Regarding this lesson, it's the story of a woman uh, whose daughter is possessed with a devil. Help me out today. How would you feel? Give me some of your emotions if if your daughter daughter was possessed or one of your children was possessed of the devil. What would be a, a feeling you would have? Fear, embarrassment, devastating. Anything else? Sorrow, very good. Your daughter's vexed or tormented, tormented, possessed with a devil. This is what happens in Matthew 15. Now this woman, won't, would you, I heard a lot of things, fear, embarrassment, torment, devastation. Uh, would this be something you would hide and just, uh, at first you would, because you're embarrassed, you may try to take care of it yourself, wouldn't you? Uh, this woman evidently realized she couldn't handle this situation alone. How many's ever experienced things that you couldn't handle anymore by yourself? <clears throat> and that's, that's a very important point. Uh, we all deal with difficulties, but this woman got to a point where she said, uh, I got to have some help. How many's ever felt that? Well, I got to have some help. Sure. And so Matthew 15 tells a story, and it starts in verse 21. It's just seven short verses. So you can read along in your Bible. I've got a little different version. I want to read it. Uh, so 
uh, just listen real closely because I'm going to ask you anything you pick up from this story. Okay, anything that just dropped, just kind of hit you. Uh, Matthew 15, 21. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all her begging. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. What jumped out at you? We read those seven verses, anything just like a billboard, just boom. Lack of offense. Her lack of offense. She went back again. She changed his mind. Because she wasn't getting her miracle. The Lord ignored her. Think about it. Huh? Public opinion didn't bother. I mean, in front of everybody, he said, basically, you're a dog. Public opinion. Uh, and Sister Sandy mentioned it. You know, uh, she changed his mind. How did she change his mind? Did you follow? He ignored her. He ignored her. Disciples said, send her away. But then she did something. She came and worshiped. That's when she got a word. And when she got that word, it was, you're a dog. I'm not giving you what you need. How many's ever gotten a word and it wasn't what you were expecting? Persistence coming again and again. Uh, let me ask you something. Would you say this woman was desperate? Okay, let's talk about desperation and persistence right now. I tried before this class to think of a time that I was very persistent, or I'm sure my family could probably come up with instantly, but, but maybe, uh, maybe there's some people that persistence is such a monumental moment. They only have one or two of those moments in their life. Uh, sometimes there are people that are, pers- have you ever had something broke and you just like, I'm going to fix this, and you just, I'm going to, bless God, I'm staying on it till I fix it. That's kind, of, that's kind of the way I'm wired. So uh, persistence is very important. Anybody ever, uh, can you think right now of a time you just were desperate? You were desperate and you just kept after it. Persistence. Tell me what it was. Shoot it at me. What was it? Trying to get the truth from your kids. Desperate. Persistent. Very good. Anything else? 
anything ever at work, you, you know, they said you got to do this or else and you just could, you didn't think you could get it done. You just kept, kept doing it. You just kept at it until you finished it. You ever had an IV started in your arm? <laughs> Did anybody ever have to be persistent to the point of desperation? I've been desperate. They've been persistent. got to happen you just got to stay with it it's got to happen this is the point this lady's at because her child is possessed and vexed and she's desperate and and like bill said she didn't care what people thought right she just said this is i'm desperate it's like you know they say oh am i hurting you and i'm like you know what does that matter you got to get it in there keep digging You know what I'm saying? And then they call for help. Back up. (laughs) And then walks in that older nurse that's been doing doing it for years and they just come in, boom, and there it goes. I'm like, why why didn't you get her first? They got to learn. That's right. They got to (laughs) learn. They're practicing on me. (laughs) So uh, think about that. This woman... In spite of all this, she worshiped even though she received silence. Amen? I want this to, I want the attitude of worship. I believe we ought to be a worshiping church. I believe there ought to be a freedom to worship God when we come together with God's people. Amen? The Spirit of the Lord, uh, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, the word is, and that's freedom. I don't think we ought to worry what people think. This woman, even though she didn't get a word, she, and the Lord ignored her, she worshiped while she was waiting. Now, this is very important. Look at this. As life worsens, I think it's in your notes, in your book. As life worsens, worship must deepen. Deepen. As life worsens, worship must go deeper. Look at this lady. She came and said, Lord, help me My daughter is possessed with the devil. The Lord ignored her. She kept coming and the disciples finally said, Lord, send her away. And he says, Lord, uh, the Lord says to her, it's not me to give the children's bread to dogs. Basically, I can't take my children's bread and give it to somebody that's not worthy. And she, her worship goes deeper. You know what I've noticed as a pastor? When people's lives worsen, I, I would hope we would have this attitude. That instead of our worship shallowing, instead of us getting shallower, I would pray our attitude would say, well, I hadn't heard anything from God, so I'm going deeper. (laughs) I'm going deeper. Somebody say amen. Somebody say the attitude of worship. That's what we're talking about. Okay. uh, uh, Here's some important questions to think about. Can we worship when Jesus is working miracles for other people, but not us. We're talking about attitude now, mindset. Can we worship when things seem to be getting worse? Matthew 15, 28, we read it. Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. That leads us to a number of points here. Number one, live with the attitude of persistent. Everybody say persistent. Persistent worship. You know, I've been, 
I won't, I won't say who it is. I'll let all of them in here that think they're pretty awesome. I'll let them think I'm talking about them. So I won't tell you who it is. But I've been fishing with a certain individual who um, just knows, just knows there's a crappie right there. And I, I beat all around that bush, fished all around that bush, and nothing. No, there's no, oh yeah, you just stay there until he bites. He's in there. They say things like, Sister Judy, make him mad enough to bite. My grandma could see them. We'd go bluegill fishing in, uh, in Toledo Bend, and she'd say, there they are right there, and I'd be looking. I didn't see nothing. She could smell them out. Persistent. Persistent. Live with the attitude of persistent worship. Persistent worship. Persistent. Just keep on worshiping. When we read that story, uh, she had all kind of difficulties coming her way. She was called a bad name. Her, the disciples were tired of her hanging around. Uh, the Lord ignored her. And she just kept on. Just kept on. You know what persistent worship does? It turns crumbs into crowns. This woman said, the Lord said, all you deserve is crumbs. She said, that's true. (laughs) But even the pets deserve or get the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And if what she's saying is true, if her daughter being delivered from a devil was crumbs, it became a crowning moment in her life. Amen. And uh, I know to us, think about our difficulties. Think about our pains or, or maybe our job situation. You know, to God, <laughs> he, he could change those things like that. It's not, there's nothing too hard for God. These are, all our issues are really crumbs. <laughs> Amen. But, but they turn into crowning moments when we just persist in, you know what, I'm just going to keep on worshiping God no matter whether he ignores me. If I never feel anything, I'm just going to keep worshiping God. How many want to have that attitude in your life? Amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen. Leads us to a second point. This is very important. Persist enough not to quit until your worship becomes your witness. Amen. Persist. Make up your mind. I'm not going to quit until, yeah, I'm worshiping, but I'm going to have a witness. My worship is going to become a testimony. (laughs) Amen. My worship is going to become, listen, it's one thing to worship God after you got a testimony. It's another thing when God's ignoring you, he's working for other folks and the, the preacher's ignoring you and the preacher say, hey, you've come up here enough and yeah, it's not your time or all this. Go-. But she just kept on worshiping God. Listen, think about the things she worshiped persistently in. A negative past. Her daughter's possessed with the devil. She's got a past. She's got difficulties she thinks about. Listen, we all have a past. We've all got, we, we all have things we wish things were different. Can I get an amen? But she said, you know what? I'm desperate. 
I don't want this to continue. I want there to be, you know, the definition of it's insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and expecting to get a different outcome. You just, listen, if you not worshiping hasn't done anything, it's insane. Listen, worship even beyond a negative past. She worshiped in spite of silence. She worshiped in the face of a family crisis. I can't worship. There's too much going on in my family. What if this woman had that attitude? I I can't worship today. I got too much on my mind. I can't worship today. You know, my daughter's having problems and I can't get that out of my mind. Think about this woman. Think about this woman. Man, I'm standing in some tall cotton. This woman's pretty powerful. She's a Gentile. She doesn't have the lineage that those Jewish people have. She doesn't know what they know, but she knows one thing. I need help. (laughs) And I'm going to be determined to worship Jesus in the face of a family Christ. She worshiped uh, through cultural prejudice. Listen, this culture is antagonistic to, to godly people. It's getting more and more every day. Getting more and more every day. Hey, it's not going to stop. We're fixing to turn everything over to artificial intelligence. And I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to get so high, we just lay around and do nothing. We're on the start for that. Yeah, I heard this morning on the news, you know, one of these states that legalized marijuana, guess what they're legalizing now? Mushrooms. <laughs> My goodness, wow, that's, that's, that'll help you medically, won't it? It's no end to it, folks. I want to tell you what, right? We're getting close. We're going to get to the place where everybody's, <laughs> well, not everybody, but it, you, might be, you might be prejudiced against. You might, you might get involved in a culture that you are foreign to. That you're, there's not many of your kind around. <laughs> that not everybody's doing that. Why do y'all do that? You're, you're in a, she, she worshiped in spite of a cultural prejudice. And we can decry it. We can say, well, the world's getting bad and getting worse. Bless you know what we ought to do? It ought, we ought to worship in spite of that. It doesn't matter if they call us dogs. Keep on worshiping. <laughs> Amen. In fact, I think it was the Lord that said through the prophet, I'd rather have a live dog than a dead lion. <laughs> oh, I know you'd rather. Lions are tough. But, but if the lion is lazy and the lion is, is, is uh, uh, disabled, and the line feels a, a sense of, 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 of maybe uh, everybody owes me or, uh, you know, I'm a line. Everybody better ignore me and not mess with The Lord said, I'd rather have a yapping dog than a lion that don't care. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? You know what that prophet was talking about, don't you? He's talking about Judah. He's talking about God's people. And God's people had gone dead on him. And he said, you know what? I can't revive the lion that I called. So I'm going to get me a yapping dog. You know who the dogs were, don't you? (laughs) That was us. We were afar off. Amen. We were not God's people. (laughs) Somebody say amen. 
She worshiped even though culture was against. She worshiped even while the devil was controlling her daughter. You ever seen somebody when God just comes down and heals them, they go, Woo! Where was that while your daughter was still vexed? Where was that while you were still in your pain? Oh, you're not hearing me now. This woman worshiped before her daughter got delivered. (laughs) She worshiped before she got her miracle. Listen, the attitude is what I'm talking about. He's worthy today. I said Jesus is worthy today. Come on, clap your hands under the Lord. Let's worship him just a moment. Hallelujah, Lord, we're here to worship you. We're here to praise you, God. Hey, don't be ashamed. Don't worry about what people think. Leads me to a second point. We must display the proper attitude. Everybody say attitude. Attitude of worship. Psalms 95, 6 says, Oh, come. Everybody say come. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Let us bow down. Uh, Why do you think bowing is symbolic of reverence or humility? If somebody came up to you and started to shake your hand, they bowed. Makes the other person higher. Anything else, Brother Dave? Sign of respect. It, you're lower, they're higher. It's a sign of respect. And this woman came, the, 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 the writer says in Psalms 95, Oh, come, let us worship. Uh, oh, come. You know, the dictionary, when it says to come, it means to move toward something. To move toward something. To move toward something. Somebody's coming over. They're, they're moving towards something. Worship is an intentional movement toward God. Intentional movement toward God. In other words, I'm not saying physical movement, but I'm talking about spiritual movement toward God. Worship is that intentional movement. True worship involves humility. Everybody say humility. Humility. I want to read a verse, and we're, we're hastening on here. I want to read a verse uh, here today. Genesis 4, verses 2 through 5. Genesis 4, verses 2 through 5. This is, this is Adam and Eve. Now, rest assured, listen, people say, oh, and Brother Gene, you know, Adam and Eve, they, they had only had three kids, Cain, Abel, and Seth. So who would they marry? And uh, you know, Well, Rest assured, the Bible only tells you the three people that Adam and Eve had that are important to the story of redemption. Cain started a line towards sin. Abel started a line that would end at the cross. And he was killed. And so Seth continued that line. So the Bible gives you these three names, not because it's, I mean, if, if the Bible was just a historical record of the genealogy, then we'd have all the kids. But the Bible's not a book about scientific proof about humans' first existence. It's a book of revelation about redemption. So what's important in the story is in there. And Cain and Abel and Seth are important 
to redemption. But in that process, we hear about these two that are born. And she again bare his brother Abel. Now Cain was first, Abel second. She bare his brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of sheep. Cain was a farmer. I knew there was something about him. Those farmers. Listen. Abel was a herder and Cain was a farmer. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. How many like the fruit of the farmer? Man, maters and taters. Uh Uh-oh. Anybody ever decided, man, I'd like, I'd like some fresh vegetables this summer. I'm going to put me out a garden. And about halfway through that process, you realize that's a lot of work. I remember putting out a garden, and I planted four rows of sweet corn. And, man, I'd go every two or three days, and, and I could smell the corn ripening on the stalk. I could, I could just see it starting to get bigger, and I thought... I remember one evening being out there and I thought, you know, tomorrow, every one of those ears of corn and every one of them are just full of sweet corn. I, th- I said, tomorrow, I'm coming tomorrow and get all that sweet corn. You know what happened? That night, that night, from that evening, that when the sun was going down to the next morning when I got there with my buckets, There was not an ear left. Not one. Not one. The enemy knew that corn was ripe too. The enemy knew what I knew. That's ready to pick. And they picked all night long. Gardening's hard work. I'm not sure about herding, you know, whether back in those days, uh, Abel was a, a shepherd, a keeper of sheep. And, you know, that's, that's, that's probably pretty toiling as well. But in the process of time, they both came to worship God. Verse 4, Cain brought fruit of the ground. And verse 4, Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Respect, But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was mad and his countenance fell. This is interesting because it leads us to this point. Not only does true worship involve humility, true worship reveals the contents of our heart. This is... This is uh, This is a discussion I have with people that say, well, why do we need to pray? Why why do we need to say anything? How many know that God is omniscient? You know what that means? That God knows everything. How many know that God knows? There's nothing that God hasn't seen that he doesn't know. He knows what we need when? Before we ask. The Bible says he knows what we need before we ask. Then why ask? 
if my dad knows. In fact, Jesus said, if my children, who would not, if their child asked for bread, would you give, if you're a good dad, would you give them a rock? Now, I know some people that's uh, cantankerous enough to try to pull that off. But the Lord said, now, any normal dad, let's stay in the realm of normalcy now. Any normal dad, when their child asks for bread, they're not going to pull a practical joke on them. They're going to give them bread. If their child asks for a fish, you, this reminds me of a few people in this room. If your child asks for fish, you don't put a snake on their plate. Everybody all right? The Lord said he's not going to play this game with us. Now, I know pulling a joke on somebody, it's okay, and I've had a few pulled on me, and I've pulled a few. But the Bible tells us that the Lord knows what we need before we ask, and if he knows we need it, he's willing to give it. But he says to us, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. So we know this. God already knows what we need, and he wants to supply it. The requirement is that we ask. Do you know what prayer really is? It's a revelation of your heart. It's a revelation of who you are. That's all it is. In other words, if, uh, if I continually go to the Lord and say, Now, Lord, <laughs> knowing he's my provider, knowing he will supply my needs, I say amen. And I keep going to the Lord and saying, Now, Lord, I need $2 million. I need $2 million. I need two. All my problems will be over, Lord, if you give me $2 million. Two mi- you know what? Maybe I'm revealing my heart. Maybe my heart is not satisfied with what he's provided. <laughs> Maybe I've never considered that if I'm a good steward over the 10 bucks he gave me, <laughs> that might turn into $2 million. Maybe there's things I'm not understanding. Maybe these are ways for me to have what I want. (laughs) See, prayer reveals me. It reveals me. Somebody say amen. Worship reveals me too. If the only time I can worship is when my dad comes up and prays through the Holy Ghost, then my worship's going to be pretty shallow. If the only time I can praise God and worship God is when he does what I want him to do, then my worship is revealing, isn't it? Yeah, it's revealing that I'm God and not him. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Here's the foundational principle. Do I offer God my best? Or does he get my leftovers? I want you to think about everything in your life right now. What gets your best? What gets your best? And this leads me to the third point. Be willing to surrender the best of what we have and not leave anything in reserve. This is what I want to do when I worship God. I want to just give him my best. I said I want to give him my best. Amen. You know, there's an interesting, I'm going to take a little detour here. There's an interesting story in the Bible. We don't, uh, uh, people that are anti-God and anti-Bible may use some of these stories to say, see what kind of God is that. One of those stories is Jephthah who, 
we, we do not uh, participate in nor condone child sacrifice. But there's stories of it in the Bible. Yeah. And one such story is in Genesis chapter 21 with a man by the name of Abraham. And the Lord says, Abraham, you know the story. Take Isaac offering as a burnt offering. When you, in Genesis 12, the Bible tells us Abraham was from a place called Ur, Ur of the Chaldees. Now, if you study anything about this place, you'll recognize that it was rife, overtaken with idolatrous people who thought the way to appease their God was to offer their children as sacrifices. This was something very common in Ur where Abraham was raised, his hometown. I don't know how many funerals he went to, how many memorial services he went to where an idolatrous worshiper had offered their children to their God. And the Bible tells us many years later that God asked of Abraham to give his child. I hear the angel's wings. You know, the the point of the story is, is that God was asking Abraham to do what heathen people had done. Everybody say amen. pulpit Mike thank you God was asking Abraham to do what heathen people had done now today's a special day what what Sunday is this mission Sunday thank you we're all spiritual no that's not the question I'm looking for it is mission Sunday but what Sunday is it it's Super Bowl Sunday you don't even remember it boy look how spiritual this group is man we're making headway we're making headway Rams leave St. Louis, and then they get to the Super Bowl. Dear Lord. Hey, you know what? The heathen are going to worship their God today. You know what? The heathen in the, in the tavern uh, Friday and Saturday, they're going to worship their God on Friday and Saturday night. The drug addict's going to worship his God. The heathen are going to offer worship to their gods. I'm not going to come to church and sit here. No, I'm not going to come to church today and not give God my best because he knows what the heathen do for their jobs. He knows what the heathen do for their hobbies. And I'm not going to come to church and sit here and play patty cakes. No, I'm going to worship God with everything I got because he's worth. I don't care if I don't hear anything. I don't care if I don't feel. Well, I worship when I feel something. You're going to sit there a long time. You got to have an attitude that says, Lord, even when I don't hear you, I'm going to worship you. Even when you don't answer my prayer, I'm going to praise you anyway. Come on. Come on. Let's give God praise. Is this a worship service? Yes, it is. Well, clap your hands unto the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, help me. Tried to teach and tried to teach and started preaching. Lord, help me. Here's something else. This this story we're talking about, Cain and Abel. Everybody say Cain and Abel. This leads me to two points. Either you're going to have sacrificial worship or selfish worship. One of the two. Let's, let's talk about sacrificial worship and selfish worship. In, in the context of what we've discussed today already, this woman, you know, the Lord ignoring her, our disciples saying, leave the Lord, send her away. She being called a name. She just kept worshiping. What's, what's selfish worship? Sacrificial worship. What's the difference? In your head, 
What's the difference? What, what, do I, what comes when I say that worship can either be a sacrifice or selfish? What you want. Very good, Brother Todd. What selfish worship means, I, I want something. Think about it. I'm going to worship till I get it. You ever heard that? Well, I'm going to tell you, we're not worshiping to get anything. It's like giving. We don't give to get. No, we give because it's obedience. So, so selfish worship has a motive, right? This is what we're... Selfish worship has a motive of what am I going to get out of this? Amen. I'm thankful that I know the Lord's worthy. Somebody say Amen. And so we're talking about Cain and Abel. I, I want to draw this conclusion. I, I close. Uh, Cain brought the fruit of the ground. Abel brought the firstling. Firstling. He brought the first of his flock. I want this to, I want this to sink in on you now. Cain brought the fruit of the ground. And Abel brought the first of his flock, of his flock. You know what that basically means? Abel, the first would be the one born, you know, the, the ram and the ewe. And, and the first lamb born, Abel brought the first one. You, you don't have any security that another one's going to be born. Your herd may be over when you sacrifice the first one. When you give the first, not the last. He didn't get the last of his flock. Anybody ever been standing looking at your flock or your herd and say, you know, I'm going to weed out this line because they're kind of scruffy and this line over here. Now, now that mama and those calves, they look pretty good. We're going to send these to the market. You know what? Somebody, some people come to church that way. All the real good-looking stuff is in their hobbies and their work and their business. And God has all the scruffy stuff. Not Abel. No, Abel said, I'm taking my prize, my first one. I'm taking that to God. Cain brought the fruit of the ground. Now, stay with me a minute. Now we're going to, this is for the deeper dive now. The, the first book written in the Bible is not Genesis. The oldest book is the book of Job. Written before Genesis. It's written, dated before Genesis. Okay, now Moses wrote, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Job is dated before Moses wrote Genesis. So in Genesis, we hear about creation and how all that started and then this family that God blessed and Abraham and we, a flood and all that stuff. But if you want a, an idea of what's going on between creation and what Moses starts writing about, read the book of Job. And the Bible tells us there was a man by the name of Job you know what happened to him? He lost all of his stuff. He got all of his stuff back. But there's an important scripture that says that Job, when he prayed, he sacrificed for his children just in case they had sinned before God. 
So this is before Gen- this is before Moses tells us about the tabernacle. This is before Moses telling us about the Lord telling Moses, take a lamb and offer it on the altar. This is before that. So after creation, before the tabernacle, we have a book that tells us a man sacrificed his flock instead for his children. What that means is when God slayed a lamb in that, in that garden to cover Adam and Eve, this was a tradition that they passed on. Yeah, they knew it took a sacrifice. They knew they had seen it in the garden. Job, how did Job know to pray with a sacrifice? It had passed long before the tabernacle plan. So Cain knew what God required. This is the son of the guy who experienced it. They both knew. And Abel knew it takes a sacrifice. And the Bible says Cain brought the fruit of the ground. You know what else Cain knew? Cain knew that the ground was cursed. The Lord said it. He pronounced a curse on man. He pronounced a curse on the woman. And he pronounced a curse on the ground. The ground's cursed. You know what Cain did? Knowing what God wanted. Knowing what God wanted. And knowing that he was getting a a sacrifice from a cursed source, he brought it anyway. Oh, well, God's just upset. He should like tomatoes too. No, Cain knew what he was doing. Abel knew what he was doing. And God gave Cain a second chance, didn't he? Yeah, he said, Cain, I'm not respecting that offering. Sin's lying at the door. If you go get the right sacrifice, I'll accept you too. Isn't that grace? Aren't you thankful for God in your life? He wants us to worship Him. We know we should. Listen, don't bring some worship from a cursed source. Listen, I think it's very important. I close with a number of points here. Let's look at this. God specified a pattern for sacrificial worship. Amen? Worship and relationships are inseparable. Our worship is not right because we are demonstrative. Our worship is not right because we do it a long time. Our worship's not right because we sing or pray. Our worship is right when we're in a relationship with God. Listen, there's a lot of people that are bringing tomatoes and potatoes, and God's not respecting it. Two, our worship is biblically right when God is honored and the body of Christ is unified. Amen. Let me ask you something. What is your normal worship response when you think of God's grace and God's forgiveness in your life? Think about it. Some of you, uh, God's grace and forgiveness, I, I think it needs to impact you a little more. The Lord said it. He who is forgiven little, loves little. He that's forgiven much, loves much. Please don't stop any new convert from worshiping God. I know they don't know the protocol. Please don't tell them the protocol. Let them come up and worship God anytime they want. Let them stand up at any point. Let them weep anytime they... Let them run. 
Somebody, I, heard, I, don't, I don't even remember if this is correct, but I heard a little boy went home from church, and Dad, he didn't go. He said, how was church today? And he said, oh, Dad, you should have been there. The devil got after that fella, and he ran all the way around the church. Around the church. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's the devil. We're not running from the devil. Somebody say amen. Our worship is biblically right when, the, when God is honored and the body of Christ is unified. I want to look at a passage of Scripture, 1 John three eleven. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was that wicked one, slew his brother. Wherefore he slew him, because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Worship builds up the kingdom of God, and it destroys personal kingdoms. Listen, don't let anybody criticize you. Don't even listen to it. You just keep worshiping God. You, you just keep loving God. You just say, Lord, help me to have the right attitude. And you know what the Bible tells us? Not, that Cain uh, is described in the Bible as, as the, a New Testament apostasy in the church. A Cain, that, that guy in, in early Genesis is mentioned in Jude verse 11. Look at it. Woe unto them. For they have gone the way of Cain, gone the way of Cain, ran after the error of Balaam, and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. There's three people mentioned there in the New Testament apostolic error. And the Bible tells us that Cain was one, Balaam was the other, and Korah. If you want to study, you want to deep dive, dive into those three people. Because the Bible says New Testament apostasy begins with these three. Cain, Balaam, and Korah. You know what Cain? Cain knew what God wanted. And he refused to bring it. Balaam, he knew what God wanted too. But he thought he would work the system. Korah, remember Korah? Yeah, that's Moses' relative. She didn't want to submit to authority. And the apostate church in the New Testament... Woe to them, they've gone after the way of Cain, they've ran after the error of Balaam, and they perished in the gainsaying of Korah. You know what? Cain attended a worship service, but his worship was for himself. I pray that when we open this worship service here in a few minutes, I pray that all of our worship is lifted to the Lord. I don't want to just attend the service. I want to be a part of the service. <laughs> oh, somebody give the Lord a good hand clap today. Amen. Amen. I'm going to skip a few things. Let me jump to the second point. When worship, when worship fails to remove hatred in the heart, apostasy lurks just around the corner. And then in Luke 4 and 8, Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him alone shalt thou serve. That scripture is mentioned after Satan has tempted Jesus, showing him all the kingdoms of the world. And the Lord is looking down on everything he can have if he would just worship Lucifer. And the Lord said, get behind me. You're to worship the Lord only and serve him only. That leads me to the last point. Who we worship is who we will ultimately serve. That's who we will serve. What we worship and let me tell you something. It's convicting for me. It's con I'm talking about me. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he's talking about him now. Tell him this has nothing to do with me or you. Okay? I'm talking about me. 
I get convicted when I jump out of the lazy boy when the Cardinals win the World Series. I come diving out of lazy boy when LSU scores a touchdown. Woo! And high five everybody. I get real convicted when I don't feel that same service when I get in the house of the Lord knowing what he's done for me. Knowing what he's done for me. For what I worship is what I'll serve. And if I can stay awake through the LSU football game three hours, I think I can make it through church today. Because this is what it's really about. I can take that other stuff or leave it, but this is what life's about right here. So preach to me, preacher. Sing to me, choir. I'm here to worship God with you. Come on, let's stand together and let's clap our hands unto the Lord. How many's here to worship God today? Come on, let's let God put an attitude in us to worship Him. Come on, to not worry about what anybody else is doing. To not worry about what anybody else is saying. I'm going to worship Him. Amen. I know you've come to worship the Lord today. Amen. Greet one another. Tell them you're glad to see them in church today. Thank you for being in this class. Amen.